this morning. I'm excited about this series that we've been doing the last several weeks called Time Capsule. Everybody say Time Capsule. Time Capsule. And what we have been doing is we've been talking about who we are as a church. We've been talking about our values and our vision. We've been talking about the things that are important to us. We had this whole idea. What if LifeGate had a time capsule? I mean, what would we put in the time capsule? What is it that represents who we are and what we believe and what we stand for and what we're all about so that we can pass it down to the next generation? And so very literally, we just decided to get ourselves a time capsule. And we have a time capsule. And over this last several weeks, what we've been doing is we've just been talking about our virtues and our values and the things that we stand for here at LifeGate Church. And every single week, we've been placing a symbol of those values in this time capsule. And at the end of this this series, we're going to be having a dedication service for our new building renovation. And on that day, as we honor those who have helped us to get to this place, we're going to take this time capsule, we're going to bury it down in the ground, and we're going to dig it back up on our 20th anniversary as a church to remind us of who we are and what we're all about. Pretty cool stuff, right? Pretty cool as we invest in the next generation. And each week we've been talking about different values that represent who we are as a church. We started the first week by talking about our first value, the one that really kind of starts it all. Everything really kind of just flows from that first value, and that is passion. So everybody say passion. Now get some passion in your voice. Got to get a little err when you say it, all right? Here we go, ready? Passion, right? And we talked about how we are a passionate People. In fact, it comes out in everything that we do. It comes out when you walk in on a Sunday morning. The way that we worship and the way that the Word of God is delivered and the way that we love one another, we are passionate for God. And we had a little saying that kind of went along with that one that says that the fire that burns within us is changing the world around us. And everything that we do flows from this passion that we have for God. And so we took a match and we placed it in the time capsule. To represent passion. Then the second week of the series, we talked about kind of an old throwback, kind of an old school value, but that's something that's very near and dear to our heart here at LifeGate. It really just says who we are and what we're all about. We talked about honor. Everybody say honor. We talked about how we honor God by honoring each other. Then last week, come on, let's give it up for Pastor Seth. Didn't Pastor Seth do a good job last week? Last week, man, Pastor Seth knocked it out of the park when he talked about our third value. In fact, he represents this value more than anybody I know. That's why I asked him to present it last week. We talked about the value of devotion. Everybody say devotion. Devotion and that we are a people who are devoted to God, that whatever we do, we're going to do it with all of our heart as unto God. We had a little kind of a, a little saying that goes along with that. It goes like this, work hard, play hard, and whatever we do, whether we're working or whether we're playing, whatever we're doing, we're going to do it with all of our might, with everything that we have. And and in Pastor Seth's style, he had, uh, he had a little ping pong paddle to put in. 
in the time capsule last week and represent playing hard and having a good time. Now, today we're going to move on to our fourth value. And I'll be honest this morning, as we dive into this one today, this value that we're going to talk about is one of those things that when you talk about it in church, at some churches, in fact, probably at most churches, it kind of starts to get a little bit quiet when you talk about this one. Like it kind of gets a little bit, maybe a little uncomfortable. Maybe people kind of start to squirm in their seat just a little bit because we're going to talk about the M word. We're going to talk about money, right? And anytime the pastor talks about money in church, it gets a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit quiet. We kind of don't know quite how to respond, but that's not the way it's going to be at LifeGate today. Amen? Because this is a part of who we are, and this value is called generosity. So everybody say generosity. generosity. How many know as the people of God, we are called to be a people who are generous? In fact, he has, he has created us to be generous people. In fact, as you study through the scripture in Psalm uh, chapter 37 and verse 21, check, check this out. It says, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. The Bible says that godly people, that followers of Christ, that, that we are generous people, that we are generous givers. I love what it says in Proverbs 21. And verse 26, it says, the godly love to give. Man, we are a generous people. And because we love God, we can't help but love to give. To be a people who are generous. Now, I know it gets a little uncomfortable when you start talking about money. But the truth is, when you look through the scriptures, the Bible talks about money and talks about giving over and over and over again. In fact, you can't hardly read the Bible without hearing what it says about giving. And there, I mean, there's some pretty important things, some pretty important values in the Word of God. I mean, it talks about believing. How many would say that it's pretty important to believe, right? That's pretty important. Do you know the Bible uses the word believe 272 times? Pretty important stuff, right? How many would say that it's important to pray? That's a pretty important thing, right? The Bible talks about prayer. It uses the word prayer 371 times. Pretty important stuff, right? What about love? How many would say that love's a pretty important value in the Word of God, right? And the Bible uses the word love 714 times, but how many know the Bible uses the word give 2,161 times, right? I mean, pretty important stuff. Ten times more than it talks about believing, uh, seven times more than it talks about praying, three times more than it talks about love. Giving is at the very heart of God. In fact, God is a giver. God is a generous God. In fact, one of the most famous passages of Scripture in all the Bible, the one that we see held up at, you know, at the football games, the one you see people have on their T-shirt or tattooed on their arm, John 3, 16. We all know that one, right? And what does it say? It says, God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. God is a giving God. God is a generous God. And we are the most like God when we are being generous. And that leads me today to kind of our key thought for today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's on the screen. It's in your app, on your notes. It's everywhere this morning. It goes like this. Giving is not just something we do. 
Generous is who we are. Why don't you say that with me today? Giving is not just something we do. Generous is who we are. How how many know that you can give without being generous? Isn't that true? You can give because it's just something we do. It's just what we're supposed to do. It's giving time in the service or the pastor kind of made me feel bad and so I got to give or whatever. And you can give without being generous and people do that all the time. But how many know if you are truly generous, you can't help but give? Because it just flows out of who you are. And at LifeGate, this is, our, this is our value. This is at the very core of who we are. That giving is not just something that we do, but generous is the kind of people that we are going to be. And we're going to have a heart of generosity. And it's not just about doing something. It's about being something. It's not just a matter of our hands. It's a matter of our heart. It's not a matter of money. It's a matter of the motive of our heart. Giving is not just something we do. Generous is who we are. I want to talk about this for a minute this morning, and I want to just take this kind of key statement, and we're going to break it down, and we're going to just see a couple of things from the scripture about the difference between just giving and actually being generous. So if you're taking notes, you can write these things down here this morning. The first thing I want you to see is this, is that when giving is just something we do, we, we might, number one, give begrudgingly. How many know that sometimes you give even though you don't want to? And sometimes you can give kind of a little bit begrudgingly about the giving that you're doing. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5. Look what he says. He says, I want you to give willingly. Everybody say willingly. I want you to give willingly, not grudgingly. Parents, how many know what I'm talking about? If you've got, if you've got more than one kid here, you'll know what I'm talking about uh, this morning. Have you ever had your kids and they're fighting over something and they just don't want to share, right? And so you're like, I'm telling you to share. And, you're, and they're like, Dad, I don't want to share. And you say the famous dad quote, you're going to share. Why, Dad? Because I said so, right? Come on. Anybody ever use that? Like when I was a kid, when my parents said that, I hated that. Now I love it. My favorite thing. I'm the dad and I said so, right? <laughs> You're going to share with your sister because I said so. And so you know what it was like when you were a kid. All right, I'll share, but I don't want to share, right? It's like the one kid that said, I may be sharing with my hands, but I'm not sharing in my heart. (laughs) And how many know that's the way we can be when it comes to giving sometimes? Hey, I might be giving with my hand, but I ain't giving with my heart, right? I might have to give, but I don't have to like it, right? Like, I'm giving begrudgingly because giving is just something that I do. And when giving is just something that I do, man, I kind of give like, like with this grudge. I like that word, begrudgingly. I mean, th- where does that come from? It comes from holding a grudge. And don't we sometimes like give to God, but while we're giving to him, we're kind of holding a grudge against him? Like, God, I'll give it to you, but you owe me. That pastor said I got to give, and I put my tithe in there, and so, God, you better bless me. If not, I'm going to take the tithe challenge and go get my money back. 
Or God, I gave to that missionary and now you better bless me. And when giving is just something that we do, we might give begrudgingly. Check this out, number two. When giving is just something we do, we might give reluctantly. Everybody say reluctantly. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. He says, but each one of you must decide in your heart how to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I love what this verse says in the message. It says it's so clear. It says, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. For God loves it when a giver delights in giving. You know, the truth is, is that, and I I know this is my profession, and sometimes I'm even a little bit embarrassed about people who are in my profession. Because the truth is, sometimes some preachers and some churches can be so good at just manipulating and making you feel, I mean, the music's just right, and the mood is just right, and they tell that sob story, and you come into church, and it's like the hard pressure sell. It's like, man, I'm here, and it's like a timeshare salesman, you know, and I know I ain't leaving until they've squeezed every last drop out of me. Anybody seen anybody on TV preach like that before or gone to a church where it's like that before? I'm telling you, that's not what we're all about here at LifeGates. You see, we don't give because someone twisted our arm or someone told a sob story or someone got the music just right or because the pastor is great at manipulating your emotions to cause you to feel like I've got to do it. And so you kind of do it, but you're kind of reluctant towards it. That's not what giving is all about. That's not what being generous is all about. And when giving is something, is just something that we do, we can... We can fall into that trap of I'm given because I feel bad or I feel guilty if I don't. And we can kind of give kind of reluctantly. Number three, what happens when, we, when giving is just something we do? Sometimes when giving is just something we do, we can give self, selfishly. Now, those two don't seem to go together, do they? Like giving and selfish. How do those two go together? But the truth is, sometimes we can give with some selfish motives. I mean, if we're all honest here today, we would all have to probably admit we've done it before. Like we've given so that someone would see us giving. Let's just make sure I'm writing that check really big so that everyone can see how much I'm putting in. Or maybe we might give so that someone might like us or so that maybe we can kind of control and manipulate and get them to do something that we want them to do for us. Come on, we're just being honest. You got to be honest. You're in church this morning. Come on. And we can give, like maybe we even give, you know, to somebody because we know that they're going to give us something for Christmas, so we have to give them something for Christmas. Or maybe we think if I give them something for Christmas, maybe they'll give me something for Christmas. And you can give selfishly sometimes. And when giving is just something you do, man, you can give with some selfish motives. And Jesus spoke to this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 2. Look what he says. He says, watch out. 
do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. In other words, don't give selfishly so that others will see you, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. And when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. For I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward that they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When giving is just something we do, we can give begrudgingly, we can give reluctantly, we can give selfishly. Check this out, number four. When giving is just something we do, we can give conditionally. Have you ever had anybody give you something but it had some strings attached? Right? And this is, this is what happens when we don't get the heart of generosity, then here's what can happen. We can give and we can go, oh, look at me. I gave and I'm so spiritual and all of that. But our giving has conditions to it. Like, I'll give this if you'll do this, right? It reminds me of the story in the Old Testament, Jacob And Esau, you might remember the story. Esau is out in the field and he's hunting and he's tired and he's hungry and he comes in and his brother Jacob's got a nice bowl of stew that's there. Man, he's cooking it up and it smells good. And Esau comes in. Man, I'm so hungry. And Jacob sees an opportunity. Jacob says, hey, you got something that I want, and I got something that you want, right? And what does he do? He says, I'll give you this bowl of soup, but there's conditions, there's strings attached. If you take the bowl of soup that I'm giving, then you've got to give me your birthrights. And don't we do that sometimes? Like, I'll give you something if you give me something. And doesn't that happen sometimes in families? Like, you know, I know that we're kind of struggling. And so somebody in the family says, well, we'll help you out. But you're like, I can't take from them because I know that they're going to help me out. But then they're going to hold it over my head forever. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? And doesn't it happen in churches sometimes too? Well, I'll give in that offering, Pastor, if you support my program or do my thing or whatever it is. And we give with these conditions and we've missed the very heart of what giving is all about. You see, giving is not just something that we do. Generous must become the kind of people that we are. I want to talk about what happens when generous is who we are. And I, I just want, I want to look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1. And let me, just, let me just set up what's happening here. Paul is talking to the church uh, that he planted in the city of Corinth. In fact, that's where a lot of the New Testament uh, Bible, uh, Bible books got their names from is that they were churches that had been planted. And so Paul writes a letter to these people in Corinth and he's encouraging them to be more generous people. And he starts by just telling them, hey, you guys, I know that you are generous, but I want to tell you about another group of people, another church in Macedonia. These people are incredibly generous and they don't have very much, but they give of themselves time and time again. And he almost kind of challenges 
challenges them. He almost kind of like says, I want you to give like these people. Let's have a little contest here. You be as generous as they are. And he begins to write to them. And right here in this, in this passage in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, we kind of get this idea. We kind of see what, what it's like to have a heart of generosity. Let's just read it together. Verse number 1. It says, And now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in a rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. And even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Let me just stop right there and say, I don't think as a pastor, I've been a pastor now for 19 years, I don't think I've ever had anybody urgently plead with me, let me give more. (laughs) But this is what was happening. They urgently pleaded for the privilege of sharing in this service, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first, all, first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So they urged Titus, just as he had earlier made, uh, earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in love... Uh, And with kind to you, see to it also that you excel in this grace of giving. Everybody say grace of giving. In this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For in the willingness, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Now right here in this passage, I believe we see four things that happen when generosity is who we are. Number one, write this down. When generous is is who you are, you won't give begrudgingly. Instead, you will give joyfully. When generous is who you are, it won't be, oh, he's talking about giving again. Oh, I hate it. We're going to have to leave this church because they're talking about giving. No, no. When, when generous is a part of who you are, when the pastor talks about giving, you'll be like, amen. Because I love to give. I am I give with joy in my heart. In fact, this is exactly what we see right here in verse number 2. Look what it says. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in a rich generosity. Look what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, even though these people were poor, even though they didn't have a whole lot to give, they gave. And because they gave, even in, their, even in the, the poorness of their life, they gave with a generosity that began to bring about joy in their lives. 
We see this principle over and over and over. Jesus teaches it over and over and over again. He says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, we've all heard this before, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know what that word blessed right there actually means? We just talk about blessings and whatever. You know what that means? It means happy. It's more happy to give than it is to receive. Jesus is saying, hey... When we have a heart of generosity, when it flows from who we are, then we, we won't give begrudgingly. Instead, we'll give with joy. We will enjoy giving. There will, be, there will be a joy and a fulfillment that flows out of being able to give. You know, I know some people, some people who don't have a whole lot, but some of the happiest people that I know are people who are generous, people who are willing to give, willing to help, willing to serve. You know, the opposite is also true. Some of the most miserable people in the world are people who are stingy. In fact, you know that word miserable? You know where it comes from? The root word of that comes from the word miser. You know what a miser is? Someone who's stingy. The most miserable people in the world are people who hold on to what they have. But people who get this idea of, man, I'm not just giving just to give because it's something I do. But I'm a generous person. When we begin to get that heart, there is a joy that begins to flow. That I don't, I don't have to give. Now I get to give. In fact, I came across this, and it's, it's so powerful. In the, in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article called Hardwired Forgiving. And this was done by some secular scientists who were trying to figure out. They couldn't understand why people would actually like to give. They thought that goes against human nature. In fact, in secular uh, science, Darwin and all that elevate what's it called? Evolution stuff. He always said, you know, that the survival of the fittest and everyone out for themselves and look out for number one and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, the way science says that we are designed. And so these scientists, secular scientists, begin to try to discover why do people enjoy giving? That goes against our nature. And as they, as they did this uh, experiment, they actually found out that when you give or when you do something kind for someone else, there's actually a chemical that's released in your brain, a chemical that causes us to experience pleasure. Isn't that cool? Like we were hardwired for giving. And when we just get this down in our heart, that, that God made us to be in his likeness, that he is a generous God, and he made us to be a generous people, then we begin to give with joy in our heart. That's what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. He says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for the Lord loves a person who gives cheerfully. You know what that word cheerfully means? If you study it in the Greek, it means hilarious. <laughs> give hilariously. Give cheerfully. The godly love to give. Number two, check this out. When generous is who we are, number two, we give selflessly. Look at this in verse number five. And they did not do what was expected, but they gave themselves. Everybody say, gave themselves. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then in keeping with God's will. I want you to notice these words. They gave themselves. When generous is who we are, man, we will, we will want to give of ourselves. And isn't that what God did for us? I mean, God gave of himself 
for us. He didn't just set up in heaven and see our need and say, hey, I'll write a check. You know, hopefully that will help. No, he came down in the form of Jesus Christ to be with us, to give himself for us. And the truth is, here this morning, every single one of us have benefited from someone who has given for us. I mean, when you walked into the church today, when you drove up in the parking lot, you drove up into a parking lot that was there because someone else gave. You walked into a building that's here today because someone else gave selflessly. You took your kids to a nursery that's there. There there are going to be nursery workers in there to take care of your kids and change their diaper and make sure that you can come in here and worship and hear the word of God. They are giving of themselves and you benefit from that today. You walked into a room where the worship team had given of themselves on Thursday night for a couple of hours to practice and they were here at 745 this morning to prepare and they'll be here for both services so that you could come into a place to experience the presence of God. You are benefiting from someone else who has given of themselves. This church is here today because someone else gave nine years ago so that a church that wasn't here can now be here today and you benefit from the gift of somebody else. Aren't you glad the nursery worker doesn't say, well, you know, I don't do diapers. (laughs) Aren't you glad that when you go into the bathroom and it's clean, the custodian didn't say, well, I don't do toilets. Aren't you glad that when you walk into a church like this and you experience the presence of God and you experience a church family that nine years ago someone didn't say, well, I don't give to church plants. I only do established churches. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses? You see, when when we are generous, when generous is a part of who we are, we will give selflessly. Number three, we will give willingly. When giving is just something we do, we might kind of give kind of reluctantly, but when generous is who we are, we will want to give. Not just because we have to. Because we want to. Look at what it says in verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. See, generosity is all about the heart. About what's happening down in here. And when we're generous, we don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. You know, I've been a pastor now for 15 years. And every once in a while, I'll get the tithe question. You know, like, Pastor... Isn't the tithing thing, you're always talking about the tithing thing, isn't that like an Old Testament thing? And we're not in the Old Testament, and that's the law, and we're not in the law anymore, and so we don't have to give, and we don't have to bring the tithe. And here's the deal, you don't. You don't have to tithe. That is a law thing. It was back in the Old Testament. But here's the deal this morning is that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to complete the law. And when he came, he didn't, he didn't just say, hey, there's no longer any law. In fact, here's what he did. He changed the motivation behind the law that no longer was it this external thing that you have to do. Instead, it became this internal thing that you want to do. And it's not about the law. It's about love. See, it's not a law thing. It's a love thing. It's like Keith Urban said, baby, it's a love thing. And here's the deal. 
Some of us go, well, I don't have to because that's an Old Testament thing. Well, no, you don't have to. But guess what? When you get a love for God in your heart, you just want to. It's not out of I have to. It's out of I want to. I mean, think about this for a second. All right. There's also an Old Testament law that says thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, I don't not commit adultery on my wife because the law says I'm not supposed to. I really want to, but the law says I'm not supposed to. No, 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 no. Because I love my wife. She's sitting right here on the front row. I've got to be careful. But how ridiculous is that, though? Well, the Bible says I'm not supposed to commit adultery, and even though I want to go out and sleep around, I don't, I'm not going to because the Bible says it, and so I don't really want, but the Bible says, and it's a law. No, no, it's not a law thing. It's a love thing. I love my wife so much that I want to give myself wholeheartedly to her. I want to keep my mind and my heart and my thoughts and my eyes and every part of my life pure because of my love for her. And it's the same thing when generous Becomes who we are when it gets a hold of our heart. It's not about the Bible says I have to give, I gotta bring 10%, I gotta. No, I love God so much and He has loved me so much that I can't help but be a giver because generous is who I am. Come on, don't get me started. I might just preach in here today. Number four, yeah. Number four, when generous is who I am, I will give thankfully. Giving is an act of worship. It's an act of expressing our heart and our gratitude to God for all that he is and all that he has done for us. In fact, I love this passage. I've quoted it to you many times. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, So brothers and sisters, since God has shown us such great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to Him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. And when you think about all that God has done for you, you think about where you would be without Him. The only reasonable response is to offer our lives back to him in every part of our life. I'm telling you today, when I think about where I would be if it wasn't for the grace and the love and the mercy of God, man, it, it makes me think about what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 40 and verse 2. He lifted me out of the pit of destruction, out of the sticky mud, and he set me up upon a rock and made my feet steady, and he put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. When I think about where I was and where I would be without him, that he lifted me up out of that slimy pit, and he set my feet upon the rock, that he has a hope and a future for me, I can't help but respond in gratitude, in generosity in giving to him and to his kingdom and to his people it just flows out naturally as an act of worship and thanksgiving to God I can't help but think about David on that day as they stood there and as they began to prepare their gifts to give for the building of the temple of God and what David prays in first chronicles 29 and verse 14 he says 
But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given only what comes from your hand. David said, who are we that we would even be able to give a generous gift? Everything that we have really comes from you anyway. So if I have it, it's not really mine. The only reason I have it is because he gave it to me. And when I give it back to him, it's not really even and given anyway because it's already his and when I think about what he's done and how good he is how can I help but respond with a life of generosity to him <laughs> giving is not just something we do you say pastor why are you getting so passionate well first of all that's our first core value come on <laughs> But secondly, every single one of these are who we are as a church. And I can't help but get excited. I can't help but it just flow from inside of me today because this is who we are. And I'm telling you, every week when I get up and I talk about the offering and I talk about the tithe and we do the tithe challenge, I know you go, oh, he said the tithe challenge thing last week. I know you go, oh, here he is talking about giving again. I wish he'd let Pastor Seth do it so he'd talk about brushing your teeth or something. And, I mean... But this is who we are. We can't help but be this. We don't give grudgingly, oh, I got to do it again. We don't give reluctantly, oh, you know, he twisted my arm. So I, no, we don't give selfishly, I'll give so somebody else can do something for me or with conditions or with strings attached. No, we give with joy in our heart. We give selflessly, giving of ourselves. We give willingly, not because we have to, but because we want to. We give thankfully. It's an act of worship and, and gratitude to God for all that he is and all that he has done. And here's the kicker this morning. Are you ready for this today? Here's the coolest thing is that when we are generous people, here's, here's what's awesome. We're generous people, but even as generous of a people as we are, he is even more of a generous God. And you can't, I've heard my dad say it a million times growing up. My dad was a pastor, heard it over and over. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. And the more you give, the more he's going to give back to you. And that's not why we give. We don't give so he'll get, so we can get. No, we don't get, give to get. We get to give. It's a privilege and an honor to be able to invest in the kingdom of God. And giving is not just what we do. Giving is who we are.